0: You're listening to Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. These podcasts aim to communicate topics of interest from the world of credit unions. Hello, this is Chris Smith, and this podcast is an update from Paul Jones and Nick Money at the Swoboda Research Centre. So, Paul, you look like you've got an amazing shopping list of things that you're going to achieve, as usual, for the forthcoming 12 months. One of the things that I heard you were talking about earlier, you were talking about the issue surrounding lending and credit unions. Of course, this has been well trampled on this area, but what's up to date about lending and credit with credit unions?
1: Well, it's well trampled on, Chris, because it's um, essentially and critical to credit union success we all know that star credit unions internationally are those credit unions that are good at lending and swoboda has been involved in doing research into lending and credit in the credit union sector since the outset actually one of our first papers was on lending on revolving credit but now now at the moment we have got a number of projects going which are really interesting Uh, one's in ireland and this is occasioned by the fact that the irish government are going to relax the cap on interest rates that credit unions can charge on loans so it's going to be more flexible we don't exactly know how flexible it will be yet but it will be more flexible so we've a project going with the irish league of credit unions looking at what this flexibility in charging or pricing of loans will enable credit unions to do and there's two areas that we're looking at first is reaching out even more into the small value loans market. Now, of course, we know that banks don't really lend anything less than €2,000. If you want less than €2,000, you have to go to a credit, have a credit card, run up an overdraft, or go to a high-cost lender of various sorts. Credit unions do a lot in this area if we're looking at the statistics at the moment, and they do make a lot of loans lower than €2,000. But maybe they could do a lot more if they were able to charge properly for the cost of doing, reaching out into this market. So that's one. It's about the the small value loan market that we're looking at in Ireland. The other element in Ireland that this may facilitate is the introduction, more introduction of revolving credit. And by this we mean is where instead of individuals going to the credit union each and every time and making a new loan application here they can be given a a limit a credit limit and they can run that credit uh, access to credit up to that limit regularly without any additional administration or ask at the credit union Uh, but that of course costs and how we factor in that cost may be something that could be covered by more flexibility on interest rates um, over here, though, in Manchester as well, we've got a, uh, we're doing work with a credit union that actually is implementing a revolving credit product for his, mem- for his members, for many much the same reason, to now allow, allow easier access to credit. Because one of the things that we do know is that when people need credit, they need it quickly. They need it conveniently. They need it now. They don't want to be waiting around for kind of two or three weeks to speak to somebody in the credit union office. And that's why they'll go and they'll use their credit card or they'll use an overdraft or they'll use some kind of online money shop or whatever. But the credit unions could do more in this space, both in Ireland and in Britain. So we've got we've got a project there going with this credit union more locally. With a number of other projects too on the area of lending. And one is with a credit union in Lancashire. We're looking at their experience of, Providing family loans, what's called family loans. Now you'll say, what's a family loan? A family loan is a low value loan, normally only about £500, but the repayment of which is through child benefit. People have their child benefit paid into the credit union. It's incredibly popular with people on stretched incomes, not entirely, but mostly people on low incomes. And they love this uh, the idea that the, the loan is repaid quite uh, easily quickly promptly and without any fuss or worry and we're looking at that the thousands of loans are now going through a number of credit unions and we call family loans and they link with child benefit we're also looking at payroll loans we've got a lot on Chris (laughs) sorry for taking the time up but we've got another project with a another partner organization in London looking at payroll loans and how they can be more efficiently, these payroll loans are where, where members who are, who are in work with an employer as a rela- relationship between the employer and the credit union, they're, they're paying to their savings or repay loans directly from salary before, um, you know, before they actually get that salary. So it's kind of painless and it's repaid. But we're looking about how all of this could be actually better managed, better promoted to engage more employers. Because at the same time, we've also got another paper coming out on salary salary advance, which is one of the big kind of competitors to the traditional payroll loan. And this is where people are able to draw down their salary in advance. It's not a loan. It's their money. It's in advance. But they have to pay for it. There's a kind of a payment for it. We think that credit union lending is probably more sustainable. Actually, just drawing down your salary in advance each month
0: surely though Paul there's an enormous amount of competition in that area
1: there's a competition in all those areas Chris (laughs) both in payroll and in the low you know the low value low market you know a lot of online competition that's why technology has got to be you know first and foremost and fit for purpose you know the evolving credit that what why are credit unions introducing revolving credit because the competition is offering people access to credit, you know, instantaneously on your mobile phone and credit unions need to do the same thing. So we're in a very competitive financial market and all of these approaches to credit and lending that I've been speaking about all take a, you know, are all in response in many ways to the competition. The trouble is, for, so take for example, the family loan loans, the competition there is the high cost market. Not the banks; it's the high-cost market, the high-cost providers of loans. They are the ones that well are our competitors. So we have to be—we've got to beat the competition.
0: I then spoke to Nick Money, and I asked him, Nick, this still got this issue across the whole industry of credit unions about sustainability. Tell me, what's your current thoughts on sustainability?
2: It's not just our industry, is it, Chris? It's a uh, you know massive issues for modern societies and. What we're thinking about is we feel that credit unions have got a really important role to play in their communities in supporting institutions and and individuals on this transition to net zero and potentially changes beyond that. We had a conference last year which focused on green lending, which was a fairly specific look at that. What could credit unions do in terms of support financing the transition? We've got a couple of pieces of work going on at the moment looking at this. So we will shortly be publishing a report that is looking at how credit unions can respond to the ESG agenda. That's environment, social and governance, which is a set of criteria that the private sector is looking at around criteria for investment. Do you invest in companies that don't have positive environmental, social or governance criteria around them? Sort of begs a question if Barclays Bank or... Some major pension fund is talking about the environment, social and governance. What does that mean for credit unions where we would consider those things to be our patch, not their patch? We do. do. We're the the ethical ones. So we want to look at how or even if credit unions should respond to that agenda and, and use that language or use their own language. But that doesn't get us off the hook of demonstrating that we really are. It might be in our DNA, but do we walk the talk? And we've got another paper coming out which will be later in the year from our friends at uh, university college cork the center for cooperative studies on the role that credit unions can play in being leaders of the change in communities not just around green finance but potentially around how they role model as organizations being organizations that um are themselves sustainable
0: nick there is a crossroads with these discussions regarding governance and sustainability where Credit unions that may not be as sustainable as we would expect or hope have problems with governance. You must, I mean, you're something of a domain expert now in terms of uh, sustainability and governance. Surely that must crop up the way those two cross.
2: Well, um, governance is obviously a critical both differentiator and enabler for credit unions. It's the governance, it's the cooperative status of the organisation that facilitates our uh, our difference from lots of other organisations.
0: Nick, with the workload that credit unions have now got, do they really have to become sustainability champions as well?
2: Well, I think the alternative to credit unions being sustainability champions is that Barclays presents itself as a sustainability champion or the Bank of Ireland presents itself as a sustainability champion. And that reduces another one of the differences that we have, our leadership role as, as citizens or as uh, actors in the community. And if we can't present ourselves as the green guys, then we risk losing one of our potential competitive advantages. So it's hard and we need to work out as a movement how the different capabilities and capacities of each part of the movement can do their bit so that we don't ask every credit union to do exactly the same thing. But I think collectively and individually, credit unions are going to have to work out how they can demonstrate that they're leaders in this.
0: There needs to be some leadership, perhaps, Nick and Paul, with credit unions to help them understand what things they could do.
2: Yes, and hopefully some of the work we're doing can inform that. But this isn't just not just Swoboda on this. uh, We saw that the um, Credit Union Managers Association in Ireland and Credit Union Development Association in Ireland are both devoting considerable amounts of time to this in their conferences. Hopefully this is uh, collectively we will come up with the answer to credit unions as leaders on sustainability.
0: Paul, surely, it's about leadership. This. this is about getting governance into the boardrooms, but about credit unions themselves taking some sort of leadership on governance.
1: It is indeed, Chris. And again, this has been governance has been a theme of the Swoboda Center. Again, from the from the outset, uh, Ralph Swoboda, one of our founders, uh, who, who we're named after, uh, was very keen on prioritising governance. Because without good governance, boards of directors leading the credit union, without good leadership, and at the same time, good management, of course, too, as well, we don't have a credit union movement. Everything depends on good governance and sound management. And so we've been, uh, we actually wrote a manual, which was, uh, was read widely in the credit union sector around about 2017. We did a second version in 2019, which was translated into Romanian at the time. Uh, which is all about every aspect of governance. And that made a, and many credit unions have spoken about how the changes have taken place in their boardrooms in strengthening the systems and the procedures of governance, upskilling the boards of directors and so on uh, because of that manual. So what we're doing now is we're updating the manual in a different kind of a way, though. We are now kind of engaging domain experts in different areas of governance whether it's to do with the, you know, the CEO or the board's skills and abilities or the oversight of risk and compliance or strategic planning. And different domain experts will contribute different chapters to our new renewed governance manual for the uh, 21st century. And it will be a manual that will be useful or applicable in different jurisdictions, both Britain, Ireland, and actually more recently in the Caribbean. Because one of the things that we're doing at the moment, which is rather interesting, is that we are going through page by page our whole governance manual that we wrote with Ralph in 2017 to 19. And we're going through it with about 150 people, CEOs and board members from credit unions throughout the Caribbean. And we're doing it over a period of six weeks two nights a week and looking at every aspect and they are feeding back in lots of comments it's not a one-way street it's a mutual exploration of governance with people throughout the caribbean and as we go through and we talk about things and we revisit the issues within that governance manual which is about leadership it's about control it's about oversight and so on and um, we hope that that will produce a quality document for the next 10 years That's very high on our Swoboda agenda at the moment.
0: Nick, it sounds like you've got an awful lot on your plate this year, but surely you're going to be running some conferences. Any news on the conference front?
2: We have told members uh, already the date for our conference in the first half of the year, which will be the 23rd of May in Port Leash in Ireland. Theme will be, who do we serve? We want to test ourselves around and our credit union members around how we can reach all parts of the community, from you know young professionals trying to get on the housing ladder in a difficult market in Ireland to people who seem to have disappeared following the collapse of high cost credit in Ireland. And the, and the changing shape of Ireland in particular, Ireland is, is, a, is a society that is, is uh, seeing a lot of demographic change into immigration and other things. And we think that'll have have a lot of interesting parallels of what's going on in Britain. So we've got um, a building of quite an interesting agenda for that. I don't want to say too much about the speakers because one or two potentially very exciting things until we nail them down. Don't want to give them away. But I can say that Miranda Fleury, who um, people who came to our conference in Manchester last November will remember as a very dynamic speaker from Canada, internationally renowned uh, facilitator. She'll be a part of our lineup. And the night before... So, we have our leadership dinner in a, uh, on the Monday, the 22nd of May, um, night before the conference, which is for chief executives and directors. We'll have a, a really interesting speaker to spark conversation and have some great discussion in a slightly more relaxed and intimate environment than the conference. That's uh, for SWABODA members only. Tickets aren't yet available for either of those events, but it's imminent. So, I shall be uh, messaging everybody, members first, so they can take up their option tickets, free tickets. We will of course, have our conference in the second half of the year in Britain. Current planning assumption is Manchester, probably November, but we want to get the date, the venue, uh, and all of that clarified uh, soon so we can communicate clearly to our members. Um, We haven't thought of a theme yet, so all suggestions welcome, but we will be looking again for some really exciting speakers to to make sure that event's as successful as the last one. Any developments with the centre, new members, new staff? We're taking the plunge this year and taking on two interns from the University of Galway, who started with us in January. Maliki and Mary, who are already doing some great, very helpful stuff for us on social media, on uh, looking at the website, supporting some of our research projects. It took me a while to summon the courage to get back into working with a team again. It's working really well so far. We're really pleased. And very different context. We are very fortunate to be uh, bringing on some new directors of Swoboda at our next board meeting, which will be in March. So after that, we'll announce who those names are. But we're really pleased with the number of people who expressed an interest in joining Swoboda and with the individuals who will be actually finally joining the board. So that is quite exciting that we're sort of getting more resource and more expertise and ideas into the organisation.
0: Lots of activity with papers over the last few months. I see one there from Jonathan Moore, the former Stockport Credit Union Chief
2: Executive. Yes, a very good paper, very interesting piece of thinking on, on how the credit union movement in Britain can shout much more loudly and much more effectively than it has done and raise awareness of the sector and bring critical issues and these raise awareness of the sector's impact and bring that to the fore in the public conversation. So quite a rousing piece, um, easy to read and I really recommend it particularly for credit unions in Britain. But it might be of interest to credit unions in Ireland to think about something similar.
0: So I took Nick Money's advice and I read the paper by Jonathan Moore that you can read if you go on the Swoboda website. Jonathan Moore has had a career working in the credit industry for banks, building societies, and recently with Stockport Credit Union. His paper really leads towards collaboration between credit unions. Jonathan points out the successes that they've seen in Greater Manchester recently. I started by asking Jonathan, is it collaboration that is the way forward for credit unions? Very much so, yes. So in Greater Manchester, where I was based
3: in in Stockport, we had, well, we still do have, a consortium of eight credit unions. And they've worked together very closely on a whole range of different things. and. Although it's still fairly early days for the consortium, it's already quite clear that there really is uh, value in doing that, and and good outcomes can flow from it. You can get stuff done that one single credit union by itself can't, even even a big one can't. The the beauty of the consortium and, and being geographically. Uh, bias as it were is that stakeholders externally take more notice of a group of businesses that are working together covering an entire region than they would if it was just one even even a large one in their area so it really has a huge value working together and that's before you start talking about things like um pulling together resources to buy in specialist services and skills and clearly, there's, there's a huge potential there of of working together to to do things in a better way than any credit union by itself could do.
0: Do you go as far as to suggest that credit unions should collaborate and merge? You, you don't use the word merger word much in your paper. What do you think?
3: I deliberately steered away from the word merger because it is a word that has a high emotional content to it. And that wasn't really the the, the driver of the paper. And I felt if I started talking about merger, then the paper would become known as a paper talking about mergers. I do believe that over time we will see mergers. My background is in the building society movement. And when I started about 30 years ago in the building societies, there were a couple of hundred. And today there are 44 or 43, that kind of number, which clearly is a lot of mergers. So I think that the credit union movement will probably go in a similar direction. And over time, there'll be strategic tie-ups. There'll be mergers where a credit union is failing and has to be taken over to save the business for the members. And, and I suspect probably more strategic going forward than has been in the past. And, and I would say that's probably a good thing. But even if we don't have mergers, there are still lots of things in the paper which we can talk about, which are really positive things, which which involve... Uh, credit unions acting as though they were bigger, which, of course, is what a merger ends up doing usually as well.
0: What do you think the key would be to starting bringing together some of those ideas that you put in your paper, uh, the ones regarding greater collaboration or more effective collaboration? Well,
3: there's certainly a need for the trade associations to work more closely. and And frankly, for the size of the sector that we have, there are too many different trade associations, all doing very similar things, but maybe slightly differently. And I've never really understood why we have the, the the breadth of trade associations that we have. But putting that aside, the, the, there is a need certainly for somebody or some group uh, to, to start to pull together some of the things that I've proposed, if indeed people want to do what I've proposed. Um, now, I don't really think it is entirely within the remit of a trade association. And, and I set out those reasons in the paper. I, I think the trade associations have quite a difficult... Line to toe uh, in terms of dealing with the regulator and and other official bodies, and and I'm not sure that it sits terribly well with them for them to start. I suppose I think a quite campaigning uh,
0: bent to them in the way that I proposed. One of the things you talk about also in your paper is the competition on the high street or the competition in general in credit unions. I guess credit unions in the United Kingdom and in Ireland as well is changing. Are there new players as well that's going to enter the market?
3: Yes, uh, I'm, I'm certain there are because I actually know of one or two things that are happening in the background, which which will be exactly that. the The fintech arena is developing and growing all the time. And, of course, we in the credit union movement ourselves have been beneficiaries of that. We've brought in technology that didn't exist five or ten years ago, which has revolutionised the way that we work. But it isn't a one-way street. And in the same way that fintech is helping us, it also has the potential to work against us if other players out there decide they want to operate in our market. Let's be realistic about it. It is a market. Uh, we, we like to talk about the membership base, and that's entirely right. We should do that. But at the end of the day, we are selling goods and services, well, services. And and there are other people out there who can do exactly that as well. We need to be alert to that because with the technology that now exists, it's certainly possible to quite quickly get a large organisation off the ground which would be operating within our chosen demographic areas.
0: Jonathan Moore, thanks for giving up your time. And I wish you lots of success with your new job. And I hope we see you back again in the credit union movement. Thank you. And that's the end of this update from the Swoboda Research Centre, who have clearly got a lively agenda for the forthcoming months. Both Paul Jones and Nick Money from Swoboda would love to hear from anyone who wants to give any input to the topics raised in this podcast. Furthermore, although they've got a big agenda at Swoboda currently, they're always on the lookout for suggestions, papers, presentations or topics of interest – Look out for further news of forthcoming Swoboda conferences in Ireland and UK. And this is Chris Smith signing off and thanking you for listening to this podcast. Bye now. You've been listening to Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. This is a not-for-profit podcast and my time is given freely. I'm constantly on the lookout for stories and topics of interest to credit unions, especially, but not exclusively, in the United Kingdom and Ireland. A contribution to my cost has been made by the Swoboda Centre and I work with them for additional distribution and inspiration. Thanks for listening today and if you wish to leave any feedback please contact smithowls at gmail.com that smithowls, all one word, at gmail.com Bye now!